0: That is a harsh lesson in business.
1: Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal.
0: Listen to The Deal
1: on Spotify.
0: Welcome into a Friday edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, and I am joined by Sean Shapiro for spits and suds coming off a great road trip by the Dallas stars, five out of a potential six points. And uh, we're starting to see that this team is unlike the past few years consistency on the road. Although last night would be kind of a six flags roller coaster, but the bottom line is Sean, that happens against this Florida team. And you know what? Two points is two points.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, I was watching that game last night and it was a, It's kind of a weird one, right? With the flow of it, yeah. where you go from, and that building can be. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports,
0: media, and entertainment.
1: as much as people want to make jokes about florida and i I've, I've actually defended florida quite a bit in the past i think their their building and their environment doesn't nearly as bad as people want to make jokes about it but it is still a big cavernous building i don't know if anyone's anyone's been there before or anything like that so it's a building where like if it was winnipeg sized or uh like 12 if it was like 14,000 seats like, right we wouldn't be making Panthers jokes, but that building holds around twenty thousand. It's 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 a huge building, so it it makes it difficult. And so when things go poorly, and for the Panthers, it gets all cavernous and weird, and like all the energy gets sucked out of the building. And so like last night, the visiting team comes in and they're up four nothing. It feels like kind of a nothing burger of a game, mm-hmm. and then you, and then you have kind of a, a second period where things are going, are still going, are going one way. And then you have an injury that kind of even adds a little bit of, it's just a weird vibe of a game. Yeah. And it's one of those games where you're like, all right, you won. Let's, let's go home. Like that, that's kind of how you feel at the end of that one. And obviously biggest concern is obviously, hopefully Scott Wedgwood is doing better. And yeah. apparently he was up and moving and didn't go to the hospital, which is great to hear. Obviously that's the number one concern, but, From a hockey perspective, like okay, let's get home because that's it, it was a weird it was a weird night.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. I guess like similar to what we were saying last week, you you know you just can't let the lapses that happened in the second period primarily happen again against the Islanders. But that being said, a five out of six points. Um, oh yeah, that is you know that's really 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 good. Um, yeah. Some some nice scoring last night. Uh, Loved what Ty DeLandria was doing. Um, Not to jump to the end of the game, but I like pointing out little things um, because I think they are difference makers that don't show up on the stat sheet. Jason Robertson beat out a Panthers player to avoid icing um, Mm -hmm. toward the end of the game. and I just thought the hustle and the ability to do that and took a lot of time off the clock and then Jamie Ben, the unselfishness and getting the puck over to Delandria, and also him grinding in the final few moments. I was very impressed um, with Jamie toward the end of the game. Obviously, he's having just a, a wonderful um, year so far. Uh, but those two toward the end of the game, I just you look at throughout the game, and there are little things that aren't necessarily going to you know show up. Jamie could have tried to fire that. You know into the net but decided that Delandria was the better option and uh, tied Delandria once again proving why he belongs on this team um and that you know his versatility is coming through and uh, I love his scrappiness and his energy so there were a lot of I, I try to take the positives out of this game and I saw you know just a lot of them i I, I love the move by Lundquist. I mean that was whoa I mean, can we see more of that? That was just impressive. So I think, you know, I'm excited about this. Can't have a letdown on Saturday night. Wanted to get your overall thoughts, Sean.
1: Yeah, I want to go. I want to pick on there are a couple things I want to go through on from there just to kind of pick up on some of your points here. First one, um, I think Ben and DeLandria, I think there's, you, you mentioned the empty net goal at the end where... Uh, then makes the play to tie that allows tie to score the empty netter. But I actually, I think those two, we saw, we've seen a real nice um, maturation of chemistry where those two read off each other so well. Um, Jamie's goal in the first period, I believe it was the three nothing goal, but I might be wrong in the order of things. There was mm-hmm. four goals in that first period, but I, the, so Delandria, there's two play, there's a two part read on that play that I thought was a wonderful line line goal, I'll call it, line mates goal, reading off each other. DeLandria picks up the puck. Jamie's about four to five feet to his right looking at DeLandria's numbers. DeLandria cuts. Jamie cuts. They're both... Jamie picks up on DeLandria, where DeLandria's cutting to the middle of the ice. And it's not a pass. It's not a pass on, on the play. Like, Ekblad goes for the big hit, and it's actually not a... It's actually... Ekblad doesn't get the big massive explosive hit he's looking for, but it's actually an effective hit. The, like the point of a hit is not to level a guy. The point is to separate a guy from the puck. And he actually does that. Ekblad actually separates DeLandria from the puck. He goes to the area. DeLandria does a good job avoiding, avoiding getting major damage to him. But because DeLandria read the play going to the middle and Jamie read what Ty was going to do, Jamie's right there to pick up that puck and go in for the breakaway. And That to me is just kind of one of those line goals where I don't even, I don't, there's probably, there's not even a communication to it. It's just Jamie understands what Ty's going to do and understands the play. There's an awareness of what your teammate does on the play. And I thought that was great to see. And that was something where we saw it in the first period and Jamie gets the goal and Ty gets the the primary assist. And then you see it on the empty net goal where Jamie has the guy on his face, could try to, and, and instead... Makes that little area play where Delandria goes and finishes. You're seeing those two play off each other so well. And I, I think it's kind of Delandria is going to be one of those players who he's going to be a long term fixture in Dallas. He's going to be that guy. Um, I, I Delandria kind of feel it's kind of fitting that he, that he wears number 10 because he kind of gives me a little bit of that Brendan Morrow vibe and everything that like, not, not as big of a hitter, but he gives me a bit of that Brendan Morrow vibe and you see him and Jamie reading off each other. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's that kind of lying chemistry that it's not just hockey awareness, it's human awareness of each other. And I I think that was great to see Um, on Lundquist. I think to kind of see his, um, The thing I loved about Lundquist, and it really encapsulates, I think, something about what these Dallas stars are as opposed to what the Dallas stars are in the past, the the circling route where he takes that puck and he circles the net and he circles the zone. Um, There's so many times the stars would have players do that and put and be in that position where they continue to circle in that spot where it's the continue to circle or they rim it around the boards and it goes back to the guy at the point, And it's just a, a reset re-rack back to the thing. I love that Lundquist tried what he did, even if he doesn't score, even if sure. all of a sudden it's a simple save, but I love the fact that he's got the confidence, like, you know what, I'm going to try this. I, I love that. I love, and I think it's just such a great encapsulation of what this starters team has been kind of given as far as taking the, taking the shackles off of the offense. Like, I think it's kind of, it used to be so much of uh, control the area, wear them down, pound, pound, and all that stuff. and That's still an important part of the game, but it's like, you know what? Take that shot. Take that chance. It's, I I, I love it. And and those, those two, I think that's, that's great. And then uh, on Robertson to kind of go rapid fire, trying to respond to all this, like, (laughs) obviously (laughs) you mentioned, you mentioned, beating out the guy beating out the icing and we've talked before jason robertson doesn't skate well yada 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 okay well he skated well enough there that was great i love jason robertson to me had one of those very impressive little do nothing games those games where he doesn't have the highlight real goal he doesn't have anything like that but the little one-step play where if you only watched one dallas stars game a year you'd be like ah, maybe that was a fluke but jason robertson doesn't every single night it's not a fluke it's the it's Florida turning the puck over back to him and him instantly finding hints with the pass right away you could in theory think oh he just that's just a slap pass and that's lucky no he does little things like that every night it's it's it was a perfect that was it was that type of game for Robertson for me where it's like this is the guy who he's doing everything the right way at the right moment even if you haven't noticed him at all and, and and good on you for looking and seeing the icing and things like that. It's, it was, it was a good overall win. And also as much as you don't want to be in the spot where you have to seal the deal, the way you did, I think emotionally, and I want to pick my words very carefully here. I think it's emotionally good to figure out that adversity like the Wedgwood injury, when it happens like obviously you never want to see an injury you never want to see a guy taken off the way scott wedgwood was but i think dealing with that adversity and learning as a team um, it can be a good thing and something that you can build on as a team obviously that's why i'm being very careful how i say this obviously sure. you never want to see a player hurt but how the stars responded i think can both be a learning experience and a good thing if to, to, to build on on this even if with florida coming back and you know what? Give Mason Marchmont some credit. Like I know we t- we talked about Mason Marchment and I'm sorry, now I'm taking my turn to ramble. Oh, ramble. Um Mason yeah, M- Mason Marchment talk about the trade getting uh that's a Florida team that's battling back and you get Matthew Kachuk taken off the ice for the last couple minutes of the game. Okay. That's that's, gr- yeah. that's great. That's great by Mason Marchment. Like obviously Mason Marchment is a great Mason Marchman is a great player. I normally don't want him taking that trade. I normally don't want him taking himself out of the game. But if you're taking Matthew Kachuk off the ice for the Panthers in a game where they're pushing to come back, I'll take that trade every day. I, I think it was. I think it was overall so many little things like that from that game in a game where there was <laughs> there was a uh, ten goals, so a lot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so let's get into that because that was going to be my next question. He Sean Shapiro. And he's the editor, uh, associate editor of EP Ringside and the publisher of Shap Shots. And he joins us every Monday and Wednesday here on Spits and Suds. So toward the end of the game, Matthew Kachuk words with Mason Marchment. And Marchment draws the two-minute instigator. The stars were going to be, or two-minute unsportsmanlike, the stars were going to be on the power play. And that even the sides. I agree with you that getting Matthew Kachuk off the ice is wonderful, but wouldn't you say I think Matthew Kachuk purposely went up to him to draw that extra penalty so that Florida would actually be a man up by pulling the goalie rather than a man down.
1: I could see it. I mean, I and, I, and I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Kachuk is, he has a brain that think, that thinks that way. So I'm not, I'm not uh, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if we're recording this from a Florida perspective, I'm happier with Matthew Kachuk. Obviously I'm, I'm happier with Matthew Kachuk than I am with Mason Marchment, but I am also, um, I'm not overly worried about, about that in the moment. I'm more, if I'm Florida, I'm also at a spot where if I'm Paul Maurice, I also have the conversation with Matthew Kachuk at a point where it's like, that's good that you, if it go if it goes through your mind to try to get more for our team after you've done it, that's great. But don't do it in the first place. That's the other thing where it's like, like, don't do it in the first place. We need you putting pucks in the net. He had recently scored in that period. Like the goal he scored in the third period, I thought was tremendous hockey IQ. If you take a look, I actually broke this down last night um over at the sub stack. You look at the play, um, the stars are making a change. Matthew Kachuk can see all five players, Stars players, are facing the opposite direction. Yanni Hockenpah has his back to Kachuk, and Kachuk just drifts. He just drifts. He's nothing nothing major. He just kind of drifts out to the left side and and then is all alone for that goal that he had in the third period. He has that type of hockey IQ. He has the type of hockey IQ to try to understand the game situation at the end. You want him on the ice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I think he's going to have to change his game similar to Brad Marchand. Mm-hmm. where I think he's going to have to realize, you know, I can't poke the bear all the time. I can be an agitator, but I have to be really smart about it to 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 stay on the ice. I agree with you. I think he's a high IQ. I think he's a really, really strong player. I love the energy he brings on the ice. Um, yeah. I mean, the whole Kachuk family. Wow. Uh, super, yeah. super talented. And, you know... A couple people on Twitter hit me up and they said, can you explain the situation? Because they didn't feel as though Mason Marchmont deserved the extra two. I-, I felt as though while Kachuk might have been the aggressor, I felt as though the blow that Mason Marchmont had caused uh, was the instigator for the fight. So I-, I can understand it. I could also understand where nothing would be called. So, it, yeah, you know, it's yeah, interesting. It's- and then I thought about it, took a step back. And I said, okay, if you're Mason Marchment, awful tough to just skate away. I think that's the right move at the end of the day, but awful tough when you're new on a team and a guy like that who's been harassing your team all game long and he's poking at you. Boy, that's tough.
1: It's also emo- got to remember, that's an emotional game for Marchment too. Yes. He, played- he was in Florida before. He goes back to Florida. He goes back to a place where – um he elected he was a free agent and chose not to re-sign in Florida it's a place he played it's a place he really relaunched his or launched his career frankly after he didn't really have the uh, the chance in Toronto that's an emotional game for Marchment and to just think like oh you can shut it down like these guys are humans i, I I'm, I'm i'm okay with it it's if if it, it's to me it's Mason marchment isn't causing problems the way kachuk is taking bad penalties on a frequent basis, I'm going to give a pass to Mason on that one.
0: Yeah. I think, I think it was a, just an interesting way to, you know, yeah. to, to end the game. Um, Correct. I, yeah, I agree with that. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I it was, it, you know, it was an exciting game at the end. It, it really was, it, you know, kudos. I mean, I, you know, I know Ottinger had to come in a little bit on the, you know, cold side. And at the same time, I thought he made some key saves. Uh, I have a, I have a
1: thought on that. I have a thought yeah. on that too. That's something where I, I've made this film before, but let's just talk about this. It's, it's something that's been, and I say this once again, I, I come speaking as a member of the goalie union. So always take that with a grain of salt because I am uh, someone who still dabbles in the position on Wednesday and Wednesday night beer league. So, uh, but the fact that it is not, I mean, and we even allow it, the fact that a, one of the most position, one of the most vital individualized position in sports and you can put it's like baseball pitcher quarterback hockey goalie right um the fact that it's a, a spot where it is against the rules if you change mid-game to give that guy a warm-up right. is still baffling to me like this would be like it's for any for like baseball pitchers like I right, well guy gets hurt if baseball, obviously, you're supposed to use the bullpen to warm up as much as possible. But if someone gets hurt in the moment, there's there's leniency where the 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 war, the uh, bullpen pitcher can come in, and I think he can, he can get more than what is it eight warm up pitches or so. He gets more than that. Yeah. Um, quarterback, obviously, that it's not like he's allowed to run reps on the field, but he's allowed to start throwing on the sideline and and and, and things like that. And but. Scott Wedgewood gets hurt. Jake Ottinger can stretch and everything like that. But Jake Ottinger doesn't isn't allowed to take a couple face a couple shots and everything right. like that. I think, I, I, think the game would be better. I think hockey as a whole would be better if it was allowed. And we and we see it in preseason. Teams are actually refs allowed in preseason, even though they technically could stop it. In preseason, you'll see team guys split a game and sometimes the, they'll They'll split and they'll have the other goalie come in, and they'll like a guy will give a couple warm up shots. I've seen it from time to time in preseason. I think the game would be better if you don't have goalies coming in cold that way. Like, if and I'm not saying give them 10, 50, yeah, I'm not three saying minutes. give three yeah, minutes. I'm just, yeah, yeah, you just like hey, they've stretched, give not a full team warm up, just give. Give a guy in the give a guy a chance. Give yeah. give a guy five pucks in the slot just to feel the puck. So, like for example, um, the first goal Ottinger led up yes last night was a uh, was the was the weird power play deflection weird kind of knuckler that I believe went off the pants of a, of a Stars defenseman. Um, that is like you may have heard people talk about like a schedule loss or something like that. Like to me, that was a a uh, a cold goal against for Ottinger because it was the the third shot of the game he's faced third third shot he's faced since he's come in it's a weird knuckler with traffic and he is still trying to get into the rhythm of the game in that moment and to me that goal for Florida only happens because Jake Ottinger didn't get a warm-up and so in that moment it would help the Stars you know what I'm sure there's there if you look back at Spencer Knight's play coming in for uh for Bobrovsky Maybe he looks sharper getting a warm up. I think this works both ways and the game becomes better if we just have a simple common sensality of like, okay, let's, let's give a guy two minutes to feel the puck and get warm in a position where clearly it is taxing on your body. And the reason the guy's coming in is because of how taxing it was on the other guy's body.
0: Yeah. And not to mention, yeah, you talked about other sports. I don't know of another sport that probably requires more stretching than being a goaltender.
1: Oh, no, yeah. Because, exactly. I mean,
0: you're stretching yeah. to the max. So yeah. take take us behind the scenes. In between periods, what does the backup do? Does does the backup, you know, do they take a couple of minutes and just kind of go from side to side to keep fresh? Because, I mean, you know, I know a lot of times they have to sit, and it's just, uh, I would think in between periods, there has to be some kind of stretching to keep warm. You
1: stretch. I mean, you stretch. The, the, you, you could they stretch and they move around a little bit, but at the end of the day, like you're in goalie gear. Yeah. There's not much to do. There's not an extra ice surface there where you can get skating. Like it's like maybe you'll see a guy. um Sometimes you'll see a backup who's like, we will just go take a spin on the ice, just like as the as the rest of the team's coming off. But that's just like a quick skate that doesn't really do much. Like you're basically just in the locker room and you're basically just hanging out with the rest of the team in your gear you you probably stretch a little bit and everything like that but in reality there's there's not uh there's not much there's there's not much else you're doing and there's not much else you can do and it's that's just kind of that's why when a guy comes in cold like i had this conversation with it's it's funny like i had this conversation with my uh with my beer league team on Wednesday, this past Wednesday night, and I know no one cares about adult beer league sports, but it's just, it's kind of funny. Cause this is just fresh in my mind. We played Wednesday night, the other team's goalie was a little bit late getting on the ice. And so he got onto the ice, like literally right at the end of warmups and didn't face a single shot in warmups. And we have like, we have kind of a slow start to the game, the pucks in our end for a little bit. And he doesn't face a shot for three or four minutes. Our guy goes down on a breakaway first shot of the game and scores. And it's like one of those where it's like looking at it, I've <laughs> been in that spot on my own end. I'm like, yeah, I, I can see why. Like that's, in, that's an impossible scenario to be in as a goalie where you've been cold. You haven't faced the shot for a while. Then all of a sudden a guy comes in on a breakaway. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's just, there's not much you can do. Honestly, there, there, there's really not much. And it's not like there's a bullpen where you can go throw. There's not like, there's nothing like that. Um, the only place I could even see you have the possibility is there's three rinks. Hold on, I'm trying to think. If there's more. I I know of at least so there's Detroit, New Jersey, and Edmonton. All three technically have a practice ice surface that's right next to the game ice surface. Like in theory, you could be like, oh, go go take a go stretch and and take a couple shuffles and and but typically that that practice ice is being used by someone else at that time. So. There's really not much that can be done. And I think the simplest solution is just saying like, okay, hey, common sense goalie comes in, give them two minutes to warm up, give them two minutes to make our game better. I, I think that's something that we could be, the, the league has shown at times is willing to use common sense on certain things. Literally yesterday it came out that, Players uh, that joined, that entered the NHL after the 2019-20 season cannot take uh, warmups without a helmet, which I think is great because it's kind of dumb when you see a guy get hurt and take a yeah. and head warmups. Like, like that's a common sense rule to me. This is another common sense rule. Make goalies healthier, make the game better. That's off off soapbox. Let's let's move on. No, 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 no. I just for those for those
0: people that are listening, I just need several witnesses because on Wednesdays Craig Ludwig likes to point out about my tennis career. And he always says, are you going to bring up tennis in your Hall of Fame career? And I never bring it up. (laughs) So for those that are listening, just understand, Sean Shapiro can bring up Peer League, and you watch Craig Ludwig will not say a thing. He will not say one thing. But grind my gears, absolutely. He's chirping all day at me, so... You're going to enjoy that next week, Sean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So now at the AAC, uh, some home cooking. Uh, they play the Islanders who were playing a lot better, 11 and seven. So it yep. should be a, a pretty good test on Saturday night.
1: Yeah. It's uh, Islanders are always, even, even with the coaching change they've they've been with how that roster is constructed and how they play. It's always a good, they used to be Stars East, frankly, right? Like when, when Rick Bonus was the Dallas coach and and um, the, the Islanders and the Stars were very similar stylistically. Now it becomes more of a, instead of two kind of defensive units, it becomes a little bit more of a, a different style fight or matchup or whatever. And um, I think it's, it's one of those where it reminds me of when Dallas went into Winnipeg matchup-wise where stylistically... They went to Winnipeg and they got kind of roped into playing the Jets game. And I think the stars, when they play the Islanders want to be cognizant of playing their game and not getting roped into playing the Islanders game, which a lot of these players have played in the past because of the old coaching staff. So I think that can be one of the challenges for this stars team where sometimes we see them fall back into this conservative style. I think sometimes they can get pulled into that because of how programmed some of those players were in past systems. And I think the Islanders present one of those challenges. So if the stars can be aggressive playing Pete DeBoer hockey against the Islanders, that's, that's wonderful. That's kind of what you want to look for is like, Hey, play the same way you played against Florida. Let's see that.
0: I was just looking up Rupe Hintz, um, his contract. Uh, we we talk about, you know, what it's going to cost because of the year he's having right now, he's at uh, 315 and with the year he's having, I mean that's gonna cause the stars to make some other moves because you know looking hit looking at him and he's healthy this year uh wow it's uh it's impressive, but can you have a line that costs that much
1: i i I think you can if you have the other pieces i mean that's the whole like i mean what's the top line in in Boston cost. Right. That's, 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 that's the, and they're able to have that yeah, issue we'll, more. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find
0: out. Him. We'll find out after Pasternak signs after this yeah, year, but then Bergeron exactly. will probably retire.
1: Exactly. I mean, I, I think it's, I mean, you're looking at, at hints's money. He's the, the thing about Rope hints that is kind of a crazy thing to think about because of the aging curve and how the NHL has changed things is, Um. Ropehens is 26, and in the old NHL, he'd still be incredibly young. But because of how some contracts have aged, you start to get to the spot where you start to be worrisome about a 26-year-old as being old. And I'm and, and I'm feeling old saying that right mm-hmm. now because <laughs> I'm feeling very old talking about Ropehens being 26 and being old. But like Jamie Ben was. Let's see. Jamie Ben signed one, two, three, four, five. Did he sign at
0: 28?
1: Yeah, he signed it. Jamie Ben signed at 28. And Rope Hints will sign his next deal. We'll start his 27. Like people, we, we talk about and everyone acknowledges oh, yeah, the Jamie Ben deal aged poorly, the number aged poorly. And that's true. It happened. That's where we are with Rope hints right now. You have, that that's the crazy thing to think about with this. Jamie, the Jamie Ben deal that aged poorly was signed at around this age that Rope Hints is about to sign his next deal. And so you have to start thinking about that. And I think that Rope hints should be it is worth the investment and worth that. But because of how this game has changed and how aging curves have done, you have to at least start thinking about is his body gonna hold up? will he be able, will his style age? Well, will his style age? Well, and I think, I think hence I take the gamble on his style aging. Well, just because I think there's more skill. I think there's more to his game than just the flash and dash, but if he was just the flash and dash and not the other style, you start to think like, okay, we have to be careful. I don't think that's the case with him, Mm -hmm. but it is a, it is, it is an age thing to keep in mind with him just because he is at the age where right around when Jamie Ben signed the eight year deal where everyone, pretty much collectively agrees they the deal did not age well because Jamie's body basically took the wear and tear that it did with the style Jamie played and now we're seeing Jamie be a little bit better but still Jamie's not a 9.5 million dollar player a year right now and that's just a reality and so yeah that's
0: and I, Jim, I Jim Mills also going to have I, to get creative Sean because there aren't mm-hmm. really many contracts coming off the books you do have Pavelski um yeah. but obviously with the way he's playing you probably want to try to sign him again you can mm-hmm. say goodbye to dennis gurianov which would open up some money i um, think
1: i i i think that is your simplest yeah. and potentially most likely solution honestly i think dennis gurianov, gurianov making 2.9 million right now um against the cap it's hard to justify yep. i think i believe his qualifying offer would have to be either 2.9 or 3 i'd have yeah. to look at that too, but like to me, it's hard to justify keeping Dennis Gurionov at an expense, at a, at a, at, a, at a at a hindrance of getting Pavelski and if if look at it this way, everyone everyone's going to look at it like oh they lost Dennis Gurionov. Look at it this way: if you lose Dennis Gurionov to keep another year of Pavelski, Robertson, and Hints together, it's worth it. Absolutely. And that's that's and that's that's how my my brain goes on this. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and you know what you. It's like the Val factor. I mean, yeah. I personally, I don't look back with that because yeah. I think it was the player. It, it's not the team. I mean, yeah. the player got his act together. Mm-hmm. And, and that I happens agree. in sports, you know? I mean, yeah. some people mature he, differently he, than others.
1: Some, sometimes you need a change in scenery. Absolutely. Like it's, 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 sometimes you need a change in scenery. I'm sure there's people who are listening who they've been at one job or one employer where they went to another yeah. job. And all of a sudden, a new boss, a new change of scenery, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, okay. This hey. this is the fit for me. And that's uh, well what totally about, yeah. it, it's yeah. like
0: doing this podcast with only Ludwig. And now that, now <laughs> that I have now that I have Shapiro Monday and Friday, I'm smiling. So <laughs> All right, a couple NHL things before I let you yeah. go. Yeah. We talked about the Islanders and Barry Trotz came out in the news this week and said, Yeah, you know, I might be interested if I receive the right offer. Are you hearing anything? I was kind of surprised that he didn't end up back in the NHL. Obviously, you look at the track record at Nashville, Washington, and he did really well. I was surprised that he got axed from the Islanders um, because I felt as though you know him and Lam- uh, Lou Lamorello turned that team around. Uh, so interested to see where Trotz ends up. Um, your thoughts on Toronto, uh, or are there any other cities that you could see a potential? barry Trotts mid-year replacement or do you think he comes in after this year
1: i think barry is very much um i i think i think barry trots and from kind of my understanding of this and is i think he's definitely when he talks about getting the right opportunity i think barry is thinking in a space where he wants to be kind of a little bit more um on the on the management path as well. And that's why Toronto is fascinating to me. We're not, and I don't see it as a mid-season thing in Toronto, but if things don't if this season doesn't go well in Toronto and the Leafs decide that Kyle Dubas is no longer the GM there. And Dubas and Keefe to me are very closely attached. I could see a space where Barry, Barry Trotz becomes the solution in Toronto with the idea that he's also playing a larger role in roster construction and eventually going into overall management. And I think that's kind of something that Barry kind of wants to get into eventually. And so that's why I don't see him being a midseason replacement. I see him more so as someone has like, okay, we're re-racking things after the season, we're re-racking going into the summer. And we're going to make Barry involved uh, in all of these facets. That to me seems like the most likely thing. Now, if all of a sudden you have a shock opening, and I'm talking about a team that's very good. And like, like for, if, if all of a sudden you had, like if, if you had some owner get impatient and, and have, have a very has a, have they have a good team that is supposed to compete and is just kind of like if you had it won't happen in this spot but if you had let's see if say Edmonton is and I, I don't think Jay Woodcroft deserves I don't think Woodcroft deserves the axe but like say Edmonton is still kind of where they are and it's like the halfway point of the season and they're like, we need some structure in here. We need we need some we need someone. I, I could see that type of spot being one where it's like, let's bring in Barry Trotz, get all our structure under control, and still let McDavid and Dryside. be McDavid and Dry. So I could see something like that midseason. But otherwise, to me, Barry Trotz is a off-season big-picture move for a team.
0: And finally, I wanted to ask you. I have a theory. In February, the, the Winter Classic is going to be played at Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and but there's gonna be a stadium series in February that kind of caught my eye. It'll be mm-hmm. in Raleigh at North Carolina State, featuring the Carolina Hurricanes. So as a guy who covers the NHL, I was thinking the other day, does that game happen if the winter classic does not have success here in Dallas?
1: Uh no, it doesn't. No. Okay. I uh I I, I truly believe the Winter Classic in Dallas opened so many doors for other franchises. And the fact that the NHL has been a historically regional, original six Northeast league. And the fact that they got the second largest crowd in NHL history at a hockey game in Dallas. And the fact that stars and Predators fans came out in droves. I think that opened up um, it took the uh, the blinders, any of the blinders were off about about kind of going, going further and doing things bigger. I mean, we're now seeing, and I think the important lesson here on all of this is always going to be take the right lessons and not go too far. Like, I think there is a degree of, um, there still needs to be some degree of uh, kids' gloves for some of these games. Like, I think Carolina, I think, they needed Dallas to open up the window for them. Yeah. And they did. And I think Carolina will, especially, I think the setting is great. I think the venue is also the right place for Carolina. It's such a college football, it's, it's a college football hungry area. It's playing at a college football stadium. You're going to get people out there for it's going to be, you're going to get people who may not even be hockey fans. You'll get them for basically another college football game. Yeah. I, you
0: know, right? I, yeah, yeah I definitely yeah. know why they did Boston Pittsburgh. Yeah. I, I get it. But at the same time, I'm more excited about the stadium series. You know, I think it's yeah. unique. And I I, I, I yeah. want to see, yeah. you know, the crowd that I, you're right. Yeah. It's a college atmosphere and they're going to draw. They're going to draw huge yeah. and it brings up other. Yeah. I, I don't one, the, know if the weather will support an outdoor game in Tampa. But that's yeah. And that's. The issue
1: with Tampa is the rain. That's yeah. the thing. Like everyone thinks it's the heat. It's the rain. The rain. Okay. It's, it's the it's the rain that really makes things. It's the rain and the humidity, as much of as much of anything. Um, it's um the one report I saw this week that is will be interesting to me. And this is why I was kind of saying you have to be tread lightly with what lessons you take and why things work and why they don't. The one lesson I would is I did see the report from craig morgan out in phoenix and i think the i want to get the site right i believe i believe it's go it's go phoenix i believe is the name of the site craig's working for now and craig reported that steve mayer who is the nhl's director of content told him that arizona is on the docket within the next five years to wow. game. and that is to me that is one of those take the lessons and realize why they work and why they don't work and that the Arizona outdoor game potentially scares me. Yeah. Because as much as you're like, Oh, they're going to make it work with Arizona state and all that stuff. Like that's a franchise and it's already getting drive-by jokes about it from people outside of hockey. Whenever they hear about the 5,000 person arena, the league, as much as they fought to keep that league in Arizona does if it goes poorly with an outdoor game in Arizona is that really the black eye you want the 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 black eye on this outdoor game you want that has been such a point of pride for batman and so that to me is kind of one of those things where dallas opened the door for so many things if i am sitting in that league chair i need to stop and think why did it work and look at those factors and realize it should open more opportunities but also realize it doesn't open every opportunity
0: yeah i'd also like to see since they do stadium series I'd like a neutral site, and mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I, that, yeah. I, I'd be interested to see would that draw. Like, could they do it from University of Nebraska? Uh, I'm just trying to think of stadiums where the weather would work, and at the same time, they could draw a good crowd. And um,
1: I, I'd, I personally would like to see. And this is the one where, if you're going to do it uh, with Arizona, maybe this is the way you do it. Like, I actually really liked the. The, the, the Lake Louise game, not the Lake Louise game, sorry, the, uh, the Lake Tahoe game. Yeah, I did too. Um, I really liked the Lake Tahoe game. I thought it was a great kind of, and I know it was done because of COVID and everything like that. And I think you'd have to find the sponsor money and you'd have to do more than one game yeah. to make it, to make it work. But I'd love to see some things like that. Like I know the Minnesota wild and the Winnipeg jets have talked about before about trying to find a way to do a game, um, I'm sure tr- there's a lake right near the border of Canada and Minnesota where you could do like a smaller temporary crowd near outdoor where you could like you could do half the crowd would be Canadians, half being Minnesotans and everything. Like I think there's some other outdoor opportunities in kind of unique places that I would love to see the NHL explore. And I think maybe that's your solution with Arizona, where maybe there's like the Arizona sunset's amazing. Like if you, if you, if you went and you oh, did something, yeah. and if you did something, if you found a way to set up a rink in Sedona and you made it a made for TV event, it would be an iconic looking well, thing.
0: I'll go. Yeah. I agree it, it, with you. How about Flagstaff? The temperature yeah. works.
1: Yeah. It's just so to me, I, I would like to see some more of that, but the key is going to be, you got to find the big money sponsor to yeah. really make it worth its while because these stadium games, the stadium game stadium series winter classic they're bringing in five to ten million dollars a year per the, the events bringing in five to ten million dollars i really think high. they'd
0: i think they'd draw well if they put it at northern arizona university the football stadium because i mean that's not too far of a drive from phoenix only yeah. a couple hours
1: I, yeah give me just give me give me more unique stuff and find yeah. me someone find me a Find, find find me a rich a rich sponsor willing to make it work so we so you can actually experiment with it so that's that's what I would like to see.
0: heck yeah well you're on fire today my friend happy Friday to you happy Thanksgiving to all of our faithful listeners out there and uh please spread the word it's great to see the stars playing well and you can spread the word so that we can do well um it spits and suds and uh if you could just share the link on your social media that would help us greatly. I truly appreciate it. Sean, you're a beast, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Yep. Uh,
1: Thanks, and everyone have a great weekend.
0: Thanks, everybody, and thanks for listening to another edition of Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan. Have a great day.